0: This this, this show is brought to you by Safety
1: FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is the YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. We're here to challenge the perception of health and safety, and we do that right here on the podcast. We do that YouTube as. Well, so if you're new here, hit those subscribe buttons and all that bloody, bloody, blah. Today is the first episode of our quarterly co-host. Let's jump into the intro and tell you some more about it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad.
0: Health and safety is trying to unpick having
2: gone mad in the past.
1: There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team, allow them to flourish.
2: Feel safe enough to be
1: uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding Safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent. What's up peeps, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. This is the first episode of the quarterly co-host. And before we get into it, I just want to give you a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Project Meletium. Project Meletium is the community for health and safety slash risk professionals. If you want to drive your personal and professional development up the wazoo, then Project Meletium is a place for you, whether it's the weekly community calls, the monthly book club, or the outstanding quarterly wagon wheel. It's got everything for you, so go to www.projectmletium.com, click on the sign up button, and that's it, you're in. But if you want to try it out for free first, that's fine, just drop me a DM and I'll get you in on one of the calls. Otherwise, let's jump into today's content. So today is the first segment of the quarterly co-host, and our quarterly co-host this quarter is the amazing Laura Orcott. If you don't know who she is, where have you been for your entire safety career? She is well-established in safety specialist recruitment. She's very prominent on social media, particularly LinkedIn. So like I said, if you don't know who she is, or where have you been? Laura and I have put together a great little mini-series of three episodes talking to CEOs, MDs, you know, proper business leaders to try and understand what they think about safety. What are the challenges they have on the board? How do they view safety and how do they manage safety? And what does that look like for them from the eyes of a CEO? So for the next three episodes, you're going to hear about safety through the eyes of a CEO. I won't introduce Laura or our guest today. I'm going to let Laura do that in the segment. So let's jump into the content. Great. We are recording. Welcome to the podcast, Laura and Janet. Laura, you're our first quarterly co host. So um on This will either go horrendous or really, really <laughs> well. Uh if it goes horrendous, we'll just nip it in the bud at Q1. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be my fault you I'm, never
2: I'm, do I'm this gonna, again. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it, Janet. You're you're the uh you're you're the tester. Um yeah. so it's all on you, no pressure. Um Laura, do you want to introduce yourself as a kind of quarterly co host and your and your plan for the next three shows and then introduce Janet?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much, James, for letting me do this. Um, very brave of you, I think, letting me <laughs> letting me take over this for, for the quarter. Um, but for those of you that, that don't know me, I'm Laura. I'm an associate director over at HSE Recruitment. You know, it, we do what it says on the tin. We're a health and safety recruitment company. So I've been in the industry for Gosh, 11 years now uh, for my sins. And um, obviously, I spend most of my time speaking to health and safety people. And it's the thing I love most about the the role, Um, you know, hearing all the innovative stuff that you guys are doing in the industry and sharing best practice. Um, What I wanted to do with these three episodes of the podcast is, is just something a little bit different. And look at it from a slightly different angle, I think, to to what we normally do. Um, If you have spoken to me or met me over the last few years, you will know how passionate I am about getting safety professionals to brand themselves properly so that they can really grow in their career so they can climb the ladder. Um, and I think over the last you know, decade, we've done that really, really well. The safety professional has changed. We've definitely stepped away from that clipboard <laughs> mentality. You know, we're becoming much more engaging. We're definitely thinking about the way we are perceived in the marketplace. But I still think there's a way to go with that. Um, and one of the things that, that probably, you know, in, in my perspective would help that is getting much more involved with board level stuff. Speaking to people at C-suite level, really truly understanding a company and the challenges because it's all very well and good us understanding health and safety, but if we know nothing else outside of that, I still think there's only so far we can go. Um, so we've actually got a sister company called Network HR who they they recruit health HR professionals, and you know HR people are really good at doing this at branding themselves, at climbing the ladder, and then we're seeing them get into board-level positions. And I just don't quite understand why we're not seeing that <laughs> at the moment from, from health and safety people. So I was hoping, yeah, by uh, having chats with, with CEOs and, and people at that level, we could maybe get some tips and we can get people climbing the ladder and, and you know, moving into those sorts of roles. So Janet is our guinea pig um for, for this episode so uh, janet and i actually met at a public speaking course so we're really testing what we learned there um, <laughs> at the pressure on us. <laughs> <laughs> but janet i thought i'd actually just let you introduce yourself and, and tell us a bit about you and thank you yeah so no no
0: pressure but I, so my name is Janet Walk and I'm the chief executive of an organisation called Why People, which is a, a charity based in Scotland. And we're a company, limited by guarantee, but we're also a charity. And the, the focus of the work of Why People is around supporting people who are going through a really difficult time. And in particular, we have an emphasis on supporting people experiencing homelessness and trying to get them back on the, the ladder towards their permanent home and also children and young people who, and their families, actually children, young people and their families, who might benefit from mentoring or counselling services, either in a school setting or a community setting. Uh, so that that's that's my role just now. My, my background would be I have always been within the public sector or the third sector. Uh, I knew that I wanted to serve. That was my kind of driver from an early age. I am an accountant by qualification. So, uh, similar to you're saying about the HR professionals, I think accountants can sometimes be quite good at great positioning themselves uh, from the finance perspective. But I've got, uh, I went through my accountancy qualification through the NHS and then local government, and I spent about 17 years in local government before tentatively coming into the charity sector through a charitable leisure trust that was created by the local authority. And that really gave me the opportunity to expand my role. So rather than being finance only, it was that broader role of HR, IT, corporate services, if you like. And so that was both a broader role, but also charity. And from that, I just loved being in a charity. I loved the the, the purpose, being driven by purpose. And... After five years with that organisation, I moved into another charity, what I called a real charity. So it was a charity that really focused on fundraising and was uh, driven by individuals who chose to give their time and effort uh, towards that charity. And that was an international charity that fed children in the place of education. So they were feeding, uh, I think today, it's about 1.5 million children every single day. So that was an amazing time of my life, an amazing time of my career. But it, huge learning, huge opportunities for growth. And again, I grew into a CEO role and then into a CEO role uh, within that charity. And then in January of last year, I joined Why People as chief executive, three months before the pandemic hit. So it was a bit <laughs> of uh, an interesting time to join. And I've been there for the last the last year.
2: That's a trial by fire, that joining just before the, <laughs> before the pandemic. I got three that, months at least. <laughs> <laughs> that was really interesting what you said, actually, because I didn't know you came from an accountancy background. And um, and you're right, the, the accountancy route really does lend itself quite well to, to C-suite. You know, we we see that very often, people yeah. going through accountancy into to CFO and then a, across to, to CEO. Um, and like I said, it's just not something we necessarily see from the from the safety market. And I've, I've never quite understood why. I think, you know, when you become a, a leader in health and safety, you are a true leader in a lot of, of senses of the words. But then there just doesn't seem to be that, that next level. And I think one of the issues that we do find in the safety professional is um, even just trying to get a place on the board to start with you know that that's just that's probably one of the hardest bits is getting in front of the board and and actually speaking to them um i mean from sort of a general perspective from your accountancy background and and from your actual you know ceo background do you think there are particular skills that you need to to get into c-suite level is there you know a a certain type of person (laughs) that that it fits best or I don't know that it's
0: necessarily a, a type of person, but it's interesting because I think what you said about HR and, and finance—I think those are well-established functions within mm-hmm. a company, within an organisation—and often it's you know, acceptable. That's not the right word, but you know, it's, it often happens that those yeah. those people will move into a broader role. So finance—it's so common that suddenly you get IT suddenly you get hr and, and suddenly you have the corporate services so that happens often i think um, to me the technical skills aren't as important as the the personal skills to, to think about that board level i think it is about having a real passion for what you do and a determination mm-hmm. to do things well and a, i a, again my, my experience would be I would always the person putting my hand up you oh, know I'll do that I'll do that and, and really wanting to to do more in every organization I've been in and I think that having uh, the determination and, and 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 I suppose the belief in what you're doing mm. is a really important part so again I've definitely been in rooms where people have thought I'm a bean counter uh, you're the finance <laughs> person you're a bean counter just sit in the corner but you know I have a real belief and a passion that what I was providing to the organisation and then the board was really important. And I think that's the same with, with uh, safety, Do you know, yeah. it's a critical element of the, the business. It's a critical element of the organisation and just having a real belief and, and that will have an impact on productivity. It will have an impact on everything. It's not just about uh, safety and a silo. <laughs> its it's the whole organisation and certainly I would say that that's definitely something that I believe strongly about, I was never someone who thought I'm a finance person mm. what I was doing was contributing to the delivery of the whole organisation and and so I think there's a, a mindset there as well but also the, the understanding the place of safety and it's not just pigeonholed it, it,
1: across the whole organisation
2: Yeah, I, Oh,
1: sorry, James, carry on. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. Um, I, I wonder, like I'm just sitting and listening, like every profession has a brand, doesn't it? Like the bean counter thing you said about. <laughs> that's really interesting. Um, and and do you know what? I'm so critical of people that have a perception of my like everything I do is uh, the the podcast and YouTube, it's all because of the brand that we have. Yeah. I don't, I feel it doesn't connect with actually what we do as a profession. Um, but I would probably be fair to be accused of being a hypocrite on the point that I would sometimes been caught to go bloody finance. That's just such <laughs> being countless. Um, and, and I think it's just, it was I, when you said that, I was like, Oh shit. You know, that's caught me <laughs> up, Actually that has. Um, yeah. But, and I think that when I think, when I just, i literally just thinking of this now, like, as I look at that board, you know, like you said, finance is pretty much the CFO. That's a nailed on seat on a board. Yep. Yeah. That, that is nailed on. That's never changed. I don't think I've ever worked for a company that didn't have a CFO.
2: Yeah.
1: HR pretty much a nailed on seat if i'm honest and obviously CEOs some form of director of operations normally a pretty much nailed on seat and then and then be marketing and sales pretty much a nailed on seat now if i look at all of those for me maybe HR might fall in the same bag as, as as health and safety sometimes we get rolled in together um but if i look at all of the other roles very clear um role very clear kind of um potential and delivery and measurements and stuff like that we know what what a cfo can bring to us to benefit the company you know count the beans so to speak (laughs) make sure that you know we're we're making profit and so on and so forth operations make sure we're doing what we need to do getting people in the right place right time so on and so forth marketing the sales you know they're very easy to work out what that for, for someone that doesn't know what the ins and outs of finance yeah. i can look at finance and know what they're doing
2: it's well defined
1: yeah yeah that's that's a much better way of putting it. it's well defined i don't think that's the case for safety i think that one of the biggest problems we have in safety is that actually a lot of people that don't do safety don't actually realize what it is that we could do or, or maybe the yeah. best word is potential like you understand the potential of a good CFO, you understand the potential of a good sales or marketeer. Mm-hmm. Do you understand the potential of a good safety professional? Yeah. And that's not a question for you, Janet, unless you want to answer <laughs> it, because that's a very big question. But it's just, that's what my thought process was going yeah. as you were speaking.
2: I completely agree with you, completely agree with you. And that's why the the personal branding stuff I talk about all the time, that's why I think it's so important because, um, until people understand the true role of a safety professional, I don't think we can have that interaction. I don't think we can have that that seat on the board that, you know, that really, really defined role. Because, all you know, as all the work we've done in health and safety to change the perception, it's great. You know, we all pat ourselves on the back all the time. We've done a really, really good job. But all you have to do is take a look at you know the Daily Mail um, and their health and safety articles just to show that most people still don't get it. They think that health and safety people are here just to stop you having fun, shut it down, that's it. So there's definitely a disconnect between what we see internally as our role and what everybody else probably sees.
0: But I would maybe come in there to say I think there's real synergies with to accountants because that's the one I'm closest to. But I think the same could be said of, of finance professionals. You know, some people think that we're just there to put up barriers we're just mm. there to, to say, oh, you're over budget, so don't spend any more money. Or, you know, it's about the the negative side of it. But I've always believed that there's so much more to, to finance. So it is about, I wouldn't mean, have called it my, a personal brand, but certainly understanding your role and understanding the importance of it and presenting that in a way that's, that's helpful. You no, know, we're, we're here to actually enable you to do your job because you don't have to think about that. Yeah. So we, we do that for you so that we can give you the assurance you need so that you can go on and do what you need to do. Mm. And I think that that's the same for safety. Do you know, without that safety professional doing their element of the, the work required for the, the business, for the, the organisation, then it would make all of our jobs much harder because mm. you would have to incorporate it in a, a different way. So really interesting. Uh, I hadn't thought about it from the perspective of a safety professional, but certainly I've experienced it as a, a finance professional.
1: That's really interesting the way you put that. That's, that's, that's got my brain ticking now, actually. like they're, they're, I can
2: see your brain ticking, James.
1: Yeah. yeah. They're all, they're all, they're all, they're all business risk areas, aren't they? If you think about it, no sales business risk, you know, bad yep. finance business risk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I kind of come back to the same question. then. and again, this is not a question for us to answer, but maybe one for us to just generally chew, chew the fat on it. Like, why is it then that, that that safety really struggles to get on the board? You know, if if finance still struggle with the exactly same brand as what we have, really, which is mm-hmm. we exist to stop you doing what you're doing, which is not true. And then maybe the 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 other side of it is that we exist just to make sure we're compliant, and that's a really easy part. When you would actually look at what we do and. There is some context to this, like Janet, to, to from a from a non safety professional. We're kind of going through a bit of an identity crisis now as a yeah. profession. We, we're trying to work out who we are ourselves. Like there is a lot of. Kind of safety beam counters, essentially, that that kind of count the <laughs> count the checklists yeah. and go one checklist, two checklist great. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. And, and we're kind of shifting over to understand that this is more about people, more of a people-centered approach, more of a psychological understanding, behavioral understanding, and so on and so forth. Um so there's context to that as well. But when I look at this, I'm just like, what is it that's making why are CEOs not turning around and looking at safety and going, that's what I need on my board? That, I can't get an answer to that question. Um,
0: well, again, from, if I think about, from my perspective, if I was looking at the board, it would be almost like combining safety with quality and, and uh, it's ensuring that we're delivering the best possible services mm-hmm. and the...
1: the
0: and ensuring the safety of everybody that we're supporting. So, yeah, it, safety—it's it's, about that kind of discrete, siloed approach. It's—it's it's not that. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's safety in the context of delivering quality services, and ensuring that we deliver the best services. So it, it comes into that kind of operation space for me. But. I know that might be different in different organisations, but for me, it would be that with a specific emphasis. So I've definitely sat in organisations where there's been a a dedicated subcommittee for health and safety.
1: Mm.
0: And if it were the high risk organisation, like the leisure sector or or something like that, where there's real uh, risks in operations. And I've seen that work really, really well. But if I think of the person that was on the board, it wasn't necessarily a safety professional. It was more of someone with business experience and uh, operating an organisation running an organisation. So, right. Interesting. again, I'm just sharing some ex- experience that I've had yeah. in that. Yeah.
2: There's, there's definitely something there with the the holistic thing. And, yeah, you know, that's something we're seeing more and more with a lot of our clients is... is not seeing safety as this defined thing but seeing it as a holistic business proposition and that to me absolutely is going to open it up to to the board to that c-suite level stuff um going forward because like we were talking about when you when you look at the board you've got your sales and marketing there's a defined risk there you've got finance there's a defined risk there but that That all comes under a banner of risk. It's just different types of it, isn't it? It's financial versus reputational versus, you know, actual people risk. Um, So we're definitely seeing a trend towards that. And that that for me, I think is very exciting because that seems to suggest that we are going in the right way and people are seeing the benefit of, of us as a profession at that sort of level. Um, I mean, James, you might have a different opinion because you're a, a safety person. But you know, have, how do you feel about the holistic side of it? Is that something oh, you you are into at all? <laughs> you
1: you have asked a question that really the answer depends on what day of the week it is. Like, I kind of, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. One one day, I'm. We should be. We should be like 100, percent just committing to to, to the, the title of health and safety and just changing how people to perceive it. And we do that by changing our actions and mm-hmm. uh, being better ourselves. Essentially, kind of being the change we want to see, so to speak. And then some days I'm like, are we hindered by the perception of that title? And is it is it time to just move on from that? Like, and and it really depends because sometimes I'm like, no safety works and then sometimes i'm like you know what operational you know head of operational risk and resilience would work yeah. a lot better Head of, uh, operational risk and organizational learning you know there's lots of little titles out there that i think really complement what we actually do what we're really good at what we're really good at is learning understanding people and how they behave mm. and, and managing risk that yeah. that's they're the three things that we're really good at. And there's probably loads of people out there that go, oh, you forgot this, you forgot that. <laughs> but like, but my um the only thing that sits uncomfortable with me with with risk is is exactly what we just kind of said, is that the term risk covers so much. Yeah. So if you have a director of risk on your board, well, Jesus, that's just the CEO. I, they, they <laughs> yeah, are the director true. of risk aren't they so yeah. everything in a business is risk people are a risk lack of marketing a bad marketing is a risk you know what you, you know i was listening to a great podcast this weekend um cautionary tales and and they were talking about the um the jewelry guy that did that that keynote speak and then his business went bust like a month later do you know what i'm talking about no,
2: i didn't see that one
1: It was years and years and years and years ago, but he went, he went on and he basically, it's a fascinating podcast. They're not actually talking about this, but they were talking about like planning and not planning And anyway. Um, But this guy, I can't remember his bloody name now. It's left my, it's left my brain, but essentially he goes into this, this kind of uh, dinner keynote uh, at like some real prestigious hall in London, like top end, real, like, talking to a load of really rich people that all of us can only ever aspire <laughs> and dream to be. And he just mocks his products. He just mocks wow. all of his products. He's like, we sell a book that not really a book. It's just a, a diamond book, blah, blah, blah. What a load of crap. And he just mocks all of his products and and he's pretty wow. and the audience loved it and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, but the newspapers picked that up And said, you're mocking your customers who are mid working to middle class that that get to buy these things and they love your products and you're mocking them. Actually, what he was doing was mocking the audience Mm. to the entire speech he was mocking the audience saying, you think that you're better than us, but I'm making a a load of money selling this stupid stuff. (laughs) Right. And, 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 but the media took it the the other way and he lost all, he got sacked from his own company. Like his name was the name of the company. And anyway, my point is that's a business risk, bad marketing or or misinterpreted keynotes, communications. That's a business risk. So if we were to put safety into uh, a more general risk, Position, it's like oh, where does our scope end? Mm. Uh, so that's the kind of balls I juggle when I have these conversations. I think you need to call it operational risk because, frankly, I didn't train for the last god knows how many years to take on finance and stuff like that. I I, I don't want to, and I shouldn't because I'm not. I don't understand that. Um, but I can, you know, I can do a hell of a lot of stuff that will really benefit the company. But it's about it's kind of like business ergonomics it's it's understanding how a business and a human fit yeah. together that's essentially yeah. what we do um, yeah. so put that in a title <laughs>
2: <laughs> i mean i think it's a really good point though what you said about understanding a business that that's the really big thing for me and something that i think um we need to focus on more because again we get so tied up into the you know, the safety of the people and what we do day to day, if we are ever going to look at stepping up into that seatbelt, we have to understand the bigger picture. That's that's a really, really important thing. Um, because I imagine that the challenges that, you know, um, CEOs are facing, you know, they're, they're oftentimes things we may not have even considered. They're completely different to things that would be on our sort of radar. I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with that, Janet, <laughs> if you know, there's pressures we haven't even thought of.
0: Well, again, just that point. If you asked me what is what, what would you, what would be the skills you would want to see from a health and safety professional? Number one would be understanding the business. Really. Number that absolutely one hundred percent would be the very first thing. Clearly, we want technical competence. We expect that that's a, a given. So, in the same way, an accounting, you expect them just to be able to know how to mm. count the beans and, and <laughs> do what they need to do. <laughs> But We're going to get it, seen by accountants after this. I know, sorry. I'm I'm, one, I'm allowed to say it because I'm one. <laughs> uh, but the it would absolutely be understand the business. And then I would say also being practical rather than theoretical. Again, I've maybe come across in the past where it's a bit more theoretical or this is what the the, the textbook says and this is what you should do. But being able to apply everything within the context of the business, within the context of the day-to-day, this is what we do. I think being able to move, and again, I see so many synergies between finance, because you can be in a box and just doing your thing in a spreadsheet, or you can be in the in the organisation and saying, all right, okay, I could do this, and that could help you. Yeah, and I think that's that's definitely that.
1: the... I love that. Yeah, like pick pick up the, the a message. That is such a good message to the safety. Any safety professional listening to this, like, pick up the annual business report and read it, understand the finance, understand where the pressures are, because actually it's going to help you do your job as well. It gives us a bit of empathy. We can see the business is not doing very well. So when finance department go, you're not having budget for that, then you know, we understand it then. Also, it helps us, it or, it would also help us to be able to, when we're doing those risk assessments and we say, oh, we want this gold standard of of safety, but to go, well, have you read the annual report this year? We're not doing great. Do you know what I mean? Look at the forecast for next year. So maybe let's rein this back. What's our priority right now? This is, so rein this in and let's go with that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. I actually think it's it's a benefit. So I think that's a, that's a, such a good bit of advice there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely is something that you know. I'm, I'm not necessarily a direct safety professional. I work within the industry, but it's something I've learned throughout my career as as I've wanted to progress. That there was no progression for me without understanding the business. That it just it just wasn't possible for me to be able to get into a you know associate director role. I had to sit down and yes, study the, the PL and and <laughs> work out why we made the decisions that we did. And all of a sudden, this whole new business world opens up to you <laughs> that i didn't even know exists so um yeah
1: I, I think a big part of that is understanding different priorities, right? Yeah. So, so a a CEO—I mean, I've never been a CEO, so correct me if, if I'm wrong, <laughs> Janet. But um, you know, a CEO priority is is keeping that business going. You know, to keep that business going, keep everybody in the job, make some profit. They have legal duties to act in the best um, the you know in in the benefit of the shareholders and so on and so forth, right? So, and safety professionals need to understand that, and that's one of my biggest problems with safety first. Like we talk about safety first. It's it's not safety first. Like safety, I don't want to work for a company that's safety first and I'm a safety yeah. professional because if it's safety first, we're going to go bust. Yeah. You just do nothing.
0: Yeah. You just, do nothing. Time, yeah. Yeah, you you just do nothing. It's just to sit in your room and do nothing. Just, exactly. Just do and, if nothing it was, and then you're safe.
1: Exactly. We wouldn't have rock climbing. We wouldn't have rugby. We wouldn't drive. <laughs> we wouldn't do, we wouldn't do absolutely anything if it was safety first. So we kind of, and I, and I think this is changing. I think we are moving away from that kind of thing, but understanding that sometimes not like be- better is better than best is, is a, is a saying I yes. stole off off one yeah. of my members the other day, which is, which I like is outstanding. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and, and it actually thinking of this i'm thinking of uh, J- janet where you work and helping homeless people i've such a good story which i will i'll i'll keep very short um that that kind of just says that so well i used to work for a housing association and in that housing association in my area that i managed we had a vacant property and we had this vacant property for so long and it was mm-hmm coming up to winter and we, we had somebody within the company basically had a conversation with a homeless charity and said, look, it's vacant. Why don't you as a charity rent it off us for a very low price and you can use it um, for, for, for the homeless people over the winter. Um, so they were like, oh God, yeah, great idea. Yes, let's do that. We'd offered them like a really favorable rate, really low rate. Um, and, um, and yeah, that was it. And um, I didn't really know anything about it until I got an email off the director, executive director of operations. Now I'm just a regional manager at this company. So if I get an a, a email off the exec director of operations, I'm like, I'm fired. Like, <laughs> I'm fired. I've done something. This has been coming, James, you knew it was coming. Um, so I read the email and she basically like, this this charity have complained because this has been going on so long, and they're desperate to get these people into somewhere to stay. Um, but everyone keeps saying it's not safe, it's not safe, it's not safe. Right. And when I said, yeah. "Where's the, where's the, give me the safety professional that tells me it's not safe," and they didn't have an answer for it. Now, okay, I think operational people they're quite co- they're competent. They know when something's safe or not safe. So I'm not saying you always need a safety professional. That's not the point of my story. But my point was, okay, fine. I'll go and talk to the operational team. Let's, let's work out how we can get this done because I want to see these homeless people in, in, in this property, especially yeah. over winter. And we need to do this ASAP because it's getting cold quick. So we go in there, right? What, what we got? Well, there's no fire risk assessment. Okay, fine. I can sort that. I can do that today. There's no risk assessment all right, that's not too bad. We can fix that, but, but we can, we can arrange a risk assessment later on, blah, blah, blah. So what can we do now that gets people in? I can smash out a risk assessment, do a fire assessment, did one on the day. Here's a must have. And then the rest are come wait. Must have was the alarm was buggered, get a guy in to fix that tomorrow and we're off. Um, I flushed all the water systems. We were gone. Awesome. Written a report to the to the exec director saying all we need to do is get this alarm fixed so we can get those people in. Off we go. We can get that alarm fixed within a week. EGP. Just, she was like, "Yes, thank God." And that was it. End of story. I was done until January time, where I ended up just going back to that same property, which is like a collection of properties. And I was like, "Oh, how did it go? Getting those people? Oh, they never went in. You are well. <laughs> Oh my god you what they never went in what i mean i literally slogged it for like two days to get you to be able to do that which is so nice for a safety professional like i'm, I'm able to try and help you do something and uh, long story short it got stuck at legal because uh, they said somebody needs to flush the taps for legionnaires <laughs> and i'm like what do you employ me for if i've just told you you don't need to flush the taps but the main point here was do you think that homeless person cares they yeah. haven't flushed the taps they'd probably rather risk legionnaire's disease than sleep on the street for yeah. the of winter and it was just a and such an eye-opening experience for me to be able to go sometimes safest is not the best
2: yeah completely agree uh, that's a brilliant story and yeah i think it, it details it perfectly you see you see it quite a lot when we speak to people in like the leisure and the events industry that it's like you said, it's not always about getting everything perfectly right because, you know, if you're putting a play on, and as part of that play, someone needs to get set on fire. Look, that's never <laughs> going to be safe, is it? <laughs> that 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 just isn't. But it has to happen, so you're just finding ways to to make it happen. So yeah, whoever you stole that mantra off, the um, what was it better?
1: Rather, better, best. better is, is better, better than,
2: than best. Yeah, I'm, I'm stealing that as well.
1: Sh- shout, uh, out to yeah, Pete, sh- shout out to Peter, Je- Peter Jenkins.
2: Who, who gave <laughs> me that. So I, I I tend to
0: agree with that, but that to me is where the quality comes in. So that's about equality standards. So that, that's a decision that that organisation had to make around whether it was willing to. Uh, risk uh, so yeah. I've never put someone in if there was a real risk of legal your disease but again it's, it's, it's the context of it and understanding is there a real risk there and do we really think that it's something that we should hold back and then you brought in another profession there around the legal profession and their view on things but it's all about the con. it's all about risk mm. it's all about doing the, the best for the, the people we're trying to serve on that day and if uh, there's someone experiencing homelessness and they need for a home then that's what our priority should be, it is about people and you've mentioned that a few times James, I would agree with that completely, we're not here everything that we're doing is about people And it's about keeping our people safe, whether that's staff and volunteers or keeping the people that we're serving, the people that we're supporting and keeping Mm. them safe. And how do we do that? So is it safer for that person to be in a a flat that potentially hasn't got one of them, the multiple checks that Mm. they should have? And just to be be clear, we do have all the checks in place. (laughs) (laughs) as a top of our priority because I do, I would never put anyone anywhere that I wouldn't go myself. If I'm not willing to stay in it, no one that you are supporting will stay in either. But again, it's that safety aspect or is it um, or would they still be at home, whether it's yeah. in the street or at a friend's house, so sort thing or whatever they're doing. And it, it's understanding that. And again, think back to the, the safety professional and what they do in our organization. And in many, many organizations, you know, it's from a risk assessment. Which could be about one individual, It'd be a risk assessment about one individual that we're working with, and how you like link that whole thing back to organisational strategic risk, mm. and and that that's an exercise that we are certainly working on just now within my people. How do we get that that balance between the day to day risk assessment process that's fundamental? We can't operate without it. That's that's the, yeah. the basic requirement, mm. and then linking all that so there's that clear line of sight between that and the, the overarching strategic risks of the organization and how we're mitigating them all.
1: Yeah.
0: That's a big exercise we're we looking at
1: just now. That's you could you could I think a lot of us could learn from the creative industry, which Laura just kind of touched on. Um one of my mentors is from the creative industry and there's a reason for that because you know that they get knocked on the door I we'd like to kill someone today, please. Can you tell us how we do that? <laughs> You know, I'm going to like throw to someone to...
2: out of a plane. You just, you just get on board, don't you? Exactly,
1: so... exactly. And you've got to be a kind of a different kind of safety professional to go, cool, let's see how we can kill <laughs> someone today. You know what I mean? Um, but if you look at the, um, I interviewed Dominique, who's the head of safety for the Royal Opera House. Oh, yeah. And um, she had a real challenge around noise at work. And um, we had a very brief conversation around some of the work she'd done around they actually kind of moved over to risk benefit analysis, not risk assessments. Um, I think they still do risk assessments as well, but um, they had risk benefit analysis. So they could clearly see this is the risk, but what's the benefit in one yeah. thing? So if we if we were to apply that to my story, it was like the risk was catching Legionnaires. What's the risk? Quite low. But what's the benefit? getting this poor gentleman or lady off the street where they're going to catch pneumonia, which ironically is a form of uh, Legionnaires, is a form of, of pneumonia. So that would have been ironic. Is it? I didn't actually um, you know that. I think so. Even though someone from, someone's going to tell me, no, you're really wrong now and I might be wrong, but I'm sure it's a form of, of pneumonia, um, you know, getting uh, abused, getting whatever, you know what I mean? And you, well, you look at it and you go risk versus benefit, mm-hmm. easy decision easy yeah. decision but sometimes i think safety professionals uh and it's not their fault like we're so ingrained through the way we're trained and the way we're raised to look at negative 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 we become inherently risk averse which doesn't risk-a-verse, work in reality yeah absolutely yeah and
0: just on that the, the risk assessment again we we with were- in our organisation that are trying to change the language around that as well because, again, it's about people. You know, it's not about a risk assessment that a checklist that you have to do. It's about keeping someone safe. Mm. So it's a keeping keeping you safe form. Like, how mm. do we complete this? And then it would bring in those points of reason, James. You know, what, what's the safest thing for that person that we're trying to, to support today? Mm. Is it for them to be in that, that home or is it to be wherever they were prior to that? And, I think the title of the that... context of the person.
1: What I like about that Janet is I think the title of that is a very strong statement. Like yeah. you're, 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 and then hopefully you've thought of this, but like your employees, you know, if you, if you went real yeah. type, could hold you to account to that. You know, we finished this form, we finished this process, whatever that looks like. Um, they could quite easily turn around and say, well, it's called cool keeping you safe. And I don't think you're keeping me safe because actually safe is a very relative term. Yeah. Um, Uh, And and what I think is safe is completely different to you and and everyone. Um, So I like that about that. I think it would be a really big challenge, but I'm interested to see how that goes.
0: Absolutely. But again, doing it together, you know, it's not done to someone. It's not me saying how I'll keep you safe. It's us sitting together and saying how how will we keep you safe? And let's agree that together. In that context, will be different for every individual. You know, there may be someone who says, "No, I'm safer where I am," or someone says that, "No, I'm safer in that 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 home."
1: Exactly.
2: So it, Don't do safety
1: better. to them. Do safety with them. That's it. You, you nailed it. Story,
2: as that is yeah?
1: <laughs> right. Anyway, Laura, we've. I knew we were going to go down a rabbit hole on that first one. <laughs> we
2: we uh, always do. It's fun. <laughs> I
1: knew it. Um, I'll let you carry yeah. on.
2: Yeah, there, I mean, there's there's loads of interesting things that have come out of that. But, um, you know, one of the things we were saying is, yeah, as a, a safety professional, the important thing is understanding the challenges of the business. And, that, you know, that's how we went down the rabbit hole into what's, what's important, what's the risk benefit. Um, I mean, have the challenges of running a company changed because of the pandemic, the dreaded C word? I don't know if I should even bring it up, to be honest. But, I mean, has that impacted stuff for you?
0: Well, clearly, we definitely can't ignore the pandemic. <laughs> None of us can ag- ignore what's happened. Uh, as I mentioned, I only started in this organisation uh, three months before the pandemic hit. So certainly my, my pre-pandemic experience was very limited but I would say obviously it's, it's changed what we do it, like everybody in the whole country we had to quickly adapt and rethink how we were delivering services I'm delighted to say that almost all of our services we continue to deliver That's it was brilliant. just they were, they were different you know it was online rather than in person and, and we were lo- looking at new technology and how we could apply that but we we're able to continue to do everything but I, I do think um, It's maybe not changed what the challenges are, but it's accelerated some and slowed down others. So when I came into this uh, role, I'd been speaking to the board beforehand. And one of the key things we wanted to do was look at a long term strategy. And last year, we thought we were going to go through a strategic exercise and we're going to come up with a new plan for the next five years <laughs> that was that was slowed down because there's no point until we understand <laughs> yeah, absolutely. you know the impact of COVID <clears throat> so that was slowed down we are doing it this year but you know that we'll as we'll, we we'll start to recover out of, of the COVID situation and then we'll just thinking of our plans from next year onwards but we can be pushed that back but meanwhile what we've probably accelerated was safety so maybe mm. like, we, we've employed an in-house health and safety professional now which we didn't have before we, we had outsourced services so we brought that in and there's been a real focus on uh, we've created an audit and risk committee we've engaged the health and safety professional we've a focus on risk and looking at a whole risk framework for the organisation, really thinking again that it's meaningful. It's not just an exercise that you do once a year or once a quarter or whatever it is, but it's actually a really worthwhile tool for every single person in the organization. And that's why it's got to go from those keeping you safe forms all the way up to, to strategy. As I say, a big exercise, we're not it's not completed yet, but it's it's something that's really important us to, to make sure that it's not seen that safety sits here. Mm. and then we all do our thing here safety is right across everything as as you've been saying and risk sorry steps across absolutely everything but it's managing it it's life is at risk life is about you know we need to be able to manage it
2: yeah I think that's interesting that you use the word uh, word accelerate several times because that's That's definitely how it's felt, hasn't it? It has been foot to the floor (laughs) for the last 12 months. I think every company that I've dealt with, including ourselves, it it has accelerated our plans. You know, things have changed so much, so much quicker than we ever could have anticipated. But that's then brought up risks of its own. Um, You know, one of the, the major things that we're trying to cover ourselves internally is, you know, this this pandemic completely accelerated our flexible working, you know, our culture of you can work where you want, when you want, as long as you get the job done. But because it's happened so much quicker than we were prepared for, it's then brought in these other safety risks of mental health issues and, and you know, how you actually turn off when, you, when you're working from home and all this other stuff we hadn't necessarily anticipated. So, um, yeah, it's felt full on. Hasn't it for, for the last twelve months? I think, so. Definitely. Go on, Janet. And it,
0: sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, in terms of well-being and mental health, that's that is absolutely. I would say one of the top priorities for us if, if I was asked the top two or three challenges or priorities, it would be obviously we're doing a strategic exercise which is great, but the well-being of our people is, is right up there, it's got Good. to be. And that's again, our people, our staff, our volunteers, but also the people we're supporting. How can we, how do services have to adapt to, to deal with what has yeah. inevitably been happening for people over the last 12, 12 months and this feeling of release. Suddenly we can go out and we can actually go out and, and socialize again. you know that that can bring uh, real challenges to people yeah. that, that's not always a positive, you know, so it's how do we manage all that? The so well being is hugely important.
1: I just I hope that we that we ride the wave and we come out the other end with the right lessons learned. I think there are a few lessons that we can learn out of this. I'm just concerned that there's a couple of really crap lessons that you'll think are lessons, but they're really not. And then there's some really good lessons that you can learn here. Like I've, I've, I've seen some, I've seen, I've had some conversations, you know, people saying, oh my God, you know, we're so much safer. You know, we've had less accidents and I'm like, there's less people at work, mate. Yeah, like, there's
2: nobody on site. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And
1: then people are like, oh well, you know, we're so much more productive. We've got half the member of staff that we normally have. and I'm, and, and I'm just like, or like just calm down because you know we're in a state of resilience and when people are in a state of resilience they they can work harder they push themselves and they keep going and they keep going because people are so grateful to have a job right now or Mm. or or maybe more so in the mid mid of this of this process as a fingers crossed come out the tail end of it now but it's um you know they're in this this state of resilience and they're grateful for a job so they're working hard and and I do think as Brits, especially, we do kind of come to well nine times out of ten we come together and yeah. and we and we we kind of just go let's just get through this. And I think we've seen that. Um, I just hope that at the end of it, the lesson we learn is not oh look we can do more with less. And the yeah. lesson we learn is that <laughs> yeah. if it wasn't for our people, we would not have survived this. Uh, and it was our people that got us through this. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And when it's said uh, how we can they forever whatever the word would be? Uh, our strategic exercise last year, what we did instead was we came up with a, an 18 month plan just to see us through to next March. And that 18 month plan was based on two pillars. And the first pillar was the three R's it was the Recover, Reflect, Reform. But that reflects in the middle, Do you know, it's really, really important. We need to learn from this. Mm-hmm. So we, as we recover, we need to also reflect. And we need to reform. We need to really think about what we do at the end of this. That's a a pillar that still is running. And sitting alongside that was that uh, kind of foundational piece, looking ahead. So in preparation for looking ahead post-COVID, it was pillar two, which is our people, Mm. our processes and our priorities. Mm-hmm. really and, and that was coming from our people being mm-hmm. exactly as you say james you know we can't do this without our people and we really need to we thought about capacity we brought in new roles we we focused on the structure but also well-being how do we support our people differently we're still not there yet like you laura we're still working through kind of flexibility what does it actually mean and what yeah. policies do we need to have and but then the last p being priorities that was almost the what do we need to say no to? Let, let's just be really clear what we need to do and what we don't need to do and and just start some things and, and focus on that recover, reflect, reform. You know, we need yeah. our people, all people in every organisation, you know, fatigue is there. Yes, uh, yes, yes. So we need that resilience to say we can't rely on that forever. Hugely grateful for it, but we can't rely on that. We need exactly. to Not ensure sustainable. That people... Are, are
1: able to deliver this. It's, it's interesting. You've, this. you've both mentioned this kind of flexible working thing, which I think is really interesting. I had an amazing conversation with uh, Crystal Danbury um, oh, yeah. the other day, who's becoming very, very uh, popular very, very quickly. Um, and she is just such an amazing view on how she manages her team. And and she just blew me away. She really did. But um, there was a few things that we were talking around that, that kind of uh, that, that I can imagine would be really uncomfortable for companies. Like essentially, now we have an opportunity to completely review the way we define work. Yeah. What does work actually look like now? And and actually, that's really uncomfortable because we've previously managed our people on some very simple, tangible things. Mm -hmm. You turned up at nine, you went home at five and you didn't talk too much in the coffee room throughout (laughs) that time while you were there. Um, And, 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 you know, we kind of laugh at it, but that subconsciously, whether we did have the smart objectives, that subconsciously is still in people's heads. Yeah. Uh, And you, you, you've turned up at nine and people will still be doing it through this pandemic. They're working from home. I guarantee everyone's logging on at nine even though actually maybe nine o'clock is not a good time for you. Yeah. And, And she gives such a good story about a lady that actually it worked around her day. She just could not work nine till five, but she could and liked to work first thing in the morning and quite late at night. And that was just how that just worked for her. And she had like naps or something in the day. And so she's sending emails at like midnight or something. And people are like, oh my God, you shouldn't be sending emails. working like <laughs> you're, you're obviously stressed. You're obviously overworked. And she's like, no, this is just how it works for me. Cause I'm not yeah. working for like the entire day. So Crystal's view on it is like, I talk to her and I say, does that work for you? Is there anything you need from me? How can I help you? Um, I want to make sure you're okay. But if that works for you, that's fine. And She's like, no, this works for me, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, the story was just so beautiful. But I can just imagine how difficult that is for a manager to say, don't dictate the work time. Don't command and control like we have done for yeah. so many years. And give your people the resources, the tools, the competence that they need and enable them. Because trust me, people want to do a good job. And if you let them do it, they'll do it. And if they don't yeah. do it, they're not right for you. Yeah. And, that, and that's okay. So time to move on.
2: Yeah, we, we had exactly the same conversation yeah. uh, last week when we were at board, and it was and um, that was basically where we came to is it's not a one size fits all it just isn't for this sort of thing because we were saying there's a lot of people um you know within our work environment that are feeling the pressure working from home because they're not able to switch off um so you know one of my co-directors was saying well what we can solve that we can just say right you don't have your emails on your phone you don't answer emails after six o'clock at night i said whoa hang on actually that would really stress me out if i didn't have my emails on my phone i like to check them that's that's yeah. what keeps me calm is I know when I come into the office, I've checked everything, I know what's there, I know what I'm facing. If you strip that away from me, I don't think I could actually function. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it just can't be a one-size-fits-all mentality, can it? Because we're not we're not yeah. all the same. We're not.
0: Absolutely. And I, I suppose in our organisation, to pick up on the point you're making, James, it was recognising that. So if I get an email at 11 o'clock at night, I might want to respond to it. But it's again given permission to say, well, no, if that's not what you're working, don't feel obliged. So so again, as a as chief executive, I must confess that it's something I talk about a lot because I don't expect it. But sometimes if I sent an email, somebody would think oh, I'd better respond to that. Yeah. <laughs> but that is just because that might be a convenient time for me to send it. And I quite often keep them in my my mailbox ready to go and then wait till the next day to send them because I don't want people to feel oh. That's something a better answer quickly, but I think it's having that open conversation within the organisation to say, mm. uh, do everyone's different, as you say, Laura. Everyone's got a, a different way of working. The challenge, though, that by it's, we're still working through this, is because we've got some services that that require people there twenty four seven. you know there's yeah. accommodation services, and how do we get that real balance for our staff? Mm-hmm. so it's it's that everybody's got a degree of flexibility it might just look different to, to some people so it's the principles of flexibility what is it we're trying to achieve through flexibility it might not be that you're you're able to uh, choose to work at midnight because that's your, you might be on shift you might have to cover a shift which is this yeah. this period really understanding that and how do we make the principles of flexibility which is we want to support our people we want to be able to accommodate your personal life and your your work life as best we can but we still need to deliver a service To hopefully get
1: that that balance, I think that comes back to the same point in that this is not a one size fits all. There are so your admin, your managerial types of roles, they probably fit really well to a kind of flexible working structure. But you know, I I look at my day job as the the head of safety for the GGF, and you know, most of our company could go, we're mostly admin and, and kind of technical support, we could all flip over to flexible working. But our members are major- majority in, in in the day, nine to five, they're manufacturing, they're installers, they're working you know, that nine to five or kind of early morning, if you're an installer, three to four, five o'clock. So it is it is sort of dictated by by that kind of, um, you know, what are you actually trying to achieve here? So there needs to be flexibility in the flexible apo- approach in in a way to still deliver what we're trying to deliver. But, that conversation can be okay. So, and I'm, I'm just thinking out loud for what, what I kind of do, but like this is stuff that, that must be done in this kind of time frame. So, answering uh, a, a, a question from a member, for example, you know, uh, or something like that, that's in that time frame. So, it's kind of like actually the person's not flexible. It's kind of like the person's flexible and the structure's flexible and they kind of just mold and weave, which is messy. It's yeah. really messy, yeah. And I, I, I'm, and I can, I can imagine for uh, a board, Janet and, and and yourself. Actually, I think that uh, you're probably aware of the term kind of psychological safety. Have you heard of that? The work from Amy yeah. Edmondson and all that. Or oh, there was loads of people doing it before Amy Edmondson. People will be messaging me, but anyway, she's the one that got it famous. So my, my it, and the interesting thing around this, I think, is that when you get like. A, in safety, there's this thing called new view, which is like a new way to look at safety, um, which I'm on the bandwagon 100%, right? But a big thing is about reducing the paperwork. So they, a lot of people read this book called The Safety Anarchist, right? Which is provocative for a reason. They read it and they read it and then they go into work and they're like, right, we're going to burn all the paperwork. We're going <laughs> to yeah, get rid of it. Rip it all up. Rip it all up. This is not delivering safety, blah, blah, blah. And what they fail to remember is that that paperwork delivers psychological safety for the board because it tells them what's going on? Yeah, and that's the same thing with the clocking in and out nine to five. It's the same thing with the SMART objectives. It's the same thing. It creates a sense of we're going in the right direction for the board. So it's kind of like to your original point, you said like nearly an hour ago was we need a more holistic view on what we're trying to achieve here and how does it work for everyone? Because this is about to get really messy if we do it right. But messy is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's change, change is hard is kind of what I'm saying. And nobody, I don't think anybody knows what this is going to look like. And that's a really good thing, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it can be seen that way, can't it? It's it, it's exciting times, but that yeah, like you said, that comes with its its own nervousness, doesn't it? There there is so much change, and and there's so many ways this could go right or it could go wrong, um, and it's about making sure we pick up the right lessons. Completely, completely agree with that.
0: Absolutely, I I, I agree too, but it's also again. Doing it with the right intent, so you know if we make mistakes, we make mistakes. But it's learning from it quickly and be able to adapt quickly, and not just trudging along, thinking, "Okay, no, we'll keep trying it for a wee bit longer and see if we get a different outcome." <laughs> and really being uh, adaptive to that. So I, I think that's really important as well. But but yeah, change can be good. It's just the pace of change, and just with everything that's happened over the last year, just making sure that we're mindful of that as well. Yeah,
1: been nice. I love what you, you, you said there's a similar to a tagline that I got again at the weekend. Uh, I did a, I run a little side membership and we, we run an event at the weekend and, um, the, the keynote was talking about a company he went to and their tagline was, um, we fail fast or we fail quick. And I was just like, when he said that, he was like, I love that. And I was like, I love it even more. Like, you know, if you can fail quick and yeah. and say we failed, you know, Move on, learn, move on. Like that's just powerful to see from a company if they live it. But you know, from a from a, I should, I should imagine from your, your from a CEO's point of view, a chief exec's point of view, that's vulnerability that we talk about a lot. Being vulnerable as a leader and saying, um, you know, it's a right to fail and admit that you can fail. I imagine that must be really hard to kind of overcome. Like to. Was that a natural transition? Did you were you like that all the time, or or was that just something you were like, oh my god, this is really uncomfortable, <laughs> uh, and then you got it?
0: Definitely a natural, a natural yeah. thing for me to you know it again. You, even the fact that you're you've invited me on here as a chief exec, it's that imposter syndrome? No, I'm, not, I'm <laughs> just a person who does a, a job, and I don't have all the answers. Absolutely not. No. I have all the answers? We all need good people round about us, and uh, people that are. So that's why the role of the safety person, the role of the finance person, the role of the HR person, how we all need good people round about us and admitting. I I ask lots of questions. If you speak to anybody in my team, they'll they'll tell you ask lots of questions. I like to try and understand things, but I definitely don't have all the answers. Definitely Mm -hmm. not. and uh, I think vulnerability um, is good, and it's very much in line with. Also, again, maybe that's why I'm kind of attracted to the charity sector as well, because um, you know, we're, we're here to serve people. We're we're, we're not here to do to people. So the same um, thing we've been talking about. We need to hear from them what they need and be able to adapt. So vulnerability is 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 inherent in certainly um, in me and in. Obviously, everyone in our, our organisation. You know, we need to be open and transparent. Our values are at the forefront of everything we do. Reflective is one of our values. We want to learn. We want to know when we've got it right, when we've got it wrong.
1: I love that. I love that. I, I've got, I've got like one last question. Actually, I've kind of taken over here a bit, Laura. I apologise. Um, it's
2: fine. Uh, no problem. I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation. So crack on. <laughs>
1: I think of what I've seen companies do really well and some companies do not so well during this pandemic was really early on actually being vulnerable as a leader and saying, do you know what? Global pandemics are really new to me as well. And I don't have all the answers. Now I understand you, you joined your company in this, in this position, um, only a few months ago so maybe you you weren't in that position when you when to to enable you to do something like that but i'll be interested on your kind of thoughts around that if you know for me i thought that would be really powerful to turn around and hear a leader say you know what i really don't have the answers here but together i think we can we can do this so i don't know here's a channel that you can feed back to me Um, You know, I I think it's Thames Water that did like uh, a weekly call, which was just the boss and the board on a Zoom call with pretty much anyone that wanted to join. And it was like, here's the update from us. The rest was just open mic. Tell me what tell me what's going on. How are you? For me, I'm just like. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. That's really good, and that you know, hopefully, that CEO is taking a shed load of notes and then acting on it the next day. But I'd be interested on what your your thoughts on that on something like that would be.
0: Yeah, so, so certainly when this happened, communications became really critical, and and there was much more frequent. Rather than kind of weekly emails out to the, the teams, and it was I, I don't know that I necessarily said. I don't have all the answers, but it was definitely around. This is where we're at today. This is what we're planning. This is what we need to think about. But meanwhile, everything you're doing is—it it was the, the teams, it was the staff who were keeping the services going, not me.
1: Yeah. It
0: was—it was them. It was the being grateful for for what they were doing on the ground and how they were adapting immediately to be able to continue to deliver services, and that did involve a. Uh, Safety assess- risk assessments or looking at safety and everything else because they were having to change quickly into doing something entirely different. Then protocols were coming out for COVID and we were having to adapt to all of them. So it was definitely, uh, the communication was around, so, uh, the subliminal message was, I don't have the answers, but you guys do and you're doing it today and, and, and make sure that you keep telling us about how we can learn from each other. And share that. So we did have a few, can kind you of, drop in sessions and different things. But awesome. it's it's keep, keeping it going and making sure that again, it's a balance between uh, being vulnerable but giving reassurance. Yeah. yeah. So we still were on it. Yeah. We were on a path. You know, we we, we knew it wasn't all. Oh my goodness, we've got no idea what's happened. Here. <laughs> it was we, that would that wouldn't have been a great message to give. But it also wasn't true. It was you know. Uh, one day at a time, Let, let's get through this week, let's let's focus on what we need to do now and let's plan for next week and, and make sure we're prepped for that and get re, re, realign resources to make sure we're directing resources to where we need them and that was definitely based on what we were hearing from the services. It wasn't based on us. Again, there used to be a term used, it still probably is, but the head office. But we've intentionally, there's no head office, you know, we're the support function, which is there to support all the services. So thinking about the redirecting the resources of the support functions out to where they were needed most, whether that was buying PPE or procuring things centrally to try and get it out to services. And it was all hands the deck and it was amazing how the staff responded but that definitely wasn't about it was about all of us so I'm not saying I didn't have a role I had a a small role the same as everyone else but it was definitely everybody pulling together yeah and
2: yeah um, I I think that's a major learn for us as well and something I think we really wanted to take forward with it Uh, uh, you know speaking to a lot of my team and a lot of um, the other the other guys in in the different offices that that work with us, when the pandemic first happened, seeing our our CEO having that vulnerability and and having those open conversations, saying, "Look, we've got a strategy. We know what we're doing. We're keeping you as informed as we can." But yeah, it's scary, and just admitting that it was scary and it was challenging, that was eye opening stuff. I think you know, I always I always knew that he cared. I've worked with him for, for eleven years. But I think for some of the newer people that that was really really powerful and um it's something we're really keen to make sure that continues you know we've opened up these great lines of communi- communication there between the ceo and you know every single person in the business um and as much as i know you know he can't listen to us 24 hours a day forever um i want to make sure those lines of communication stay open because it is it's so powerful it's really changed the way we do things
1: Wow, was, hearing um, oh,
0: you say all that again, Laura. Oh, sorry, you I was go. just going to say the word vulnerability. So I would never describe it as being vulnerable. It's just being honest. Do you know it's, yeah. it? Yeah, it, it's just being honest. I don't think it makes me vulnerable. I, I don't. I, I, that would mean I've, I feel it's a threat or I feel something. But I, it doesn't make me vulnerable. It just makes me honest. Yeah, and very I good. Well, honest as well.
1: I love that. I love that. I think that's really powerful, actually. Yeah. Just honesty, isn't it? And, and, and trust as well. I think from the yeah. way you talk about it, you had a lot of trust in your, in your team. You know, I think that's powerful to be able to turn around and say, you know what, like, tell me what you need, because I trust you to be able to to get this done. Um, and, and especially for your line of work, you know, uh, um, your, your company, Janet, you know, the stuff that they're doing is it is you know powerful and it and it's impactful, isn't it, to the local yeah. community and to yeah. people? So you know being able to enable them and say, we trust you to be able to look after these homeless people and support them, you know that that's powerful because I imagine a lot of people they work there because they just love the fulfillment that that gives them. So being able to hear from their leaders, we trust you to do it that those two combined, you know that's a that's a recipe for awesomeness.
0: I would agree as in the recipe for awesomeness within this the staff team absolutely and the passion so I, I used the word passion earlier even when I was talking about as an accountant having passion and belief in what you're doing and, and I, I think that's so so important in everybody in our organisation and why people have they, have real passion for what they do regardless of what element of the, the organisation they're in you know, mm. they're all doing the same they're all and that positive
1: change in people's lives. It's a difference. Yeah, definitely. Right. We have spoke for a very long time and I need some <laughs> dinner. I need some dinner and I want to go see my little daughter. I yeah. have seen her all day. So um, unless there's any closing notes from anybody, Anyone no, going? not
2: particularly. I, I mean, I think we covered some some great stuff in there. I mean, the things I'm definitely going to take away are, are those keywords about, yeah, the passion, the honesty, the communication. That That's really, really big. And um, I think hearing those real life examples of how that helped throughout something as, as tricky as the last 12 months, yeah, th- this will really help me as a professional. And hopefully, I'll help some of our uh, listeners as well. Fingers awesome. crossed.
1: Definitely. Uh, Janet, do you want to give a little shout out to your company just to kind of close us out and um, tell us like what they do? Well,
0: and, and I've, I've, I've mentioned them a few times. So so Why People, you can certainly see us in the, find our website, whypeople.org.uk, and uh, we deliver services across Scotland, uh, as I've mentioned, focused on people who are experiencing homelessness, but also the of work through counselling and mentoring of, of children Some uh, from good experience experienced background, we're going through some difficult times. So yes, uh, anyone that would like to find out more can go on our
1: website and have a look. Awesome. We'll put it in the um, in the show notes as well, so people can uh, just go and click on that as well. Thank you very much, Janet, for your time. Uh, Laura, do you, would you like to give a little shout out to to your guys, and then probably uh, tell us who we've got coming up next as well on the the court? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, obviously, as I said at the start, we do exactly what it says on the tin where, you know, a health and safety recruitment. We've been around for a really, really long time. Hopefully you guys know us. My big thing is I just like to talk to you all. You know, we, I love health and safety. We all love health and safety. So come and chat to us. Tell us what you're doing and um, get involved. We're always doing this sort of stuff, podcasts and, and round and, and things like that to really help us understand the industry. Um, coming up on the next podcast, we have got uh, Richard Harrow from the uh, Frozen Food Federation. Um, so that'll be a really, really interesting one. I think quite a quite a different company us to have a look at but uh yeah Richard really really enthusiastic about health and safety heavily involved in their their safety AGMs and all that so it'll be a good conversation
1: and another trade association so I'm interested in talking to uh I'm interested in talking in for my own my own uh, yeah yeah so so how tell me how you did that like (laughs) word for word how did you do that please (laughs) that's why I picked him just for you Jen (laughs) thank you very much Right. Thank you very much, both of you. That was a really interesting conversation. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay, peeps. I hope you enjoyed that episode. That was episode one of our quarterly co-hosts. So there's two more to go with Laura. There's two more CEOs to go. So make sure you check the rest of the content out. They will consistently be on the last Monday of the month for the next two months. And then we'll move on to our next quarterly co-host. I hope you've enjoyed it guys. I shall see you next week safe.